ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Andrew Majorkirk. then. Hey, this is the WCHL podcast. I am the commissioner, Christopher Perry. No Andrew on this edition of the podcast. Nationals is over. The ECHA regular season is over. The WCHL regular season is over. But just for you, we've got some extra hockey to uh, deal with here in the month of April. It's the World Cup of University Hockey. The ACHA is sending two teams over to Carta, Romania. Uh, Team United States and Team Canada. The play begins April the 14th. And on this edition of the WCHL podcast, we're blessed to have the head coach from the University of Central Oklahoma. He's also the assistant coach for Team United States, Michael Rivera. So, hey, let's hear a horn and we'll get right after it with Michael Rivera. Hold on. Hi there. Hey, my name is Christopher Perry. I am the commissioner of the Western Collegiate Hockey League, and this is the WCHL podcast. And on this very special edition, we're blessed to have the head coach from the University of Central Oklahoma and the focus of this episode, the assistant coach for Team USA that's getting ready to go and participate in the World Cup of University Hockey over in Carta, Romania. It's Mike Rivera. Coach, thanks for uh, taking time out of your day to uh, be on this very craptastic regional podcast. Oh, not a problem, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we, we, I know that you, uh, we were just talking before I started Hit Record, you had the opportunity to maybe go down to Dallas to watch some uh, some of the USA Hockey National Tournament. You have uh, a special interest in a, in a championship game that's going on, and instead you chose to be on the podcast. Sacrifices have been made. I appreciate it, Michael, very much. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Anything for the WCHL, you know that. <laughs> You're so full of it. All right, hey, before we get talking about the World Cup of University Hockey, let's talk about UCO and their run at Nationals. Um, you got the got the. I, well, I was gonna I was gonna cuss. I can't do that on my own podcast. I thought you got a crappy draw um, pulling a WCHL team in the first game, Arizona, but you took care of that game six to one. And then your uh, your 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 next game was against Adrian, and you lost that game four to one with an empty netter. And that was probably the best game, except for the uh, uh, the championship game. That was the best game anybody's played against Adrian up there in Nationals. Um, just quickly, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you think about, uh, nationals? What do you think about your team's run there at nationals? Uh, I'll just leave it open with that and we can, you can talk about whatever you want, the facility, the setup, um, or just the, the play. What did you think? Well, if you're going to leave it open-ended, uh, I guess for starters, I hope that the national tournament's never in Marlboro, Massachusetts ever again. Uh, the logistics... <laughs> The logistics and the and the budget uh, to get out there was not easy uh, on anybody, and especially teams out west. And so, I hope it's more of a central location going forward. Um, as far as our our program at nationals and our run, it was a uh, crappy draw getting a WCHL team in the first round. Um, we used to have quite the rivalry with the University of Arizona back when 
we weren't split into two divisions and didn't see them as often um, or saw them more often, excuse me, in conference play. And so familiar teams uh, playing against each other is always not a good first round matchup and going against a coach like Coach Berman, you know, he's going to be extremely prepared. There's going to be no surprises. Um, and so going to the tournament, you obviously have a little bit of angst towards that. Uh, obviously our guys came through, we played really well that game. I was really happy with our performance. They executed the game plan, showed up ready to go. Um, so proud of them for that first round. It's not easy to get to Sunday. Uh, a lot of teams don't get, don't get that opportunity. And so for that, we were really grateful. Uh, obviously things don't go our way against Adrian. You know, the reality is, is that we ran into a really good hockey team. You know, you look at that game and. They had the ice tilted a little bit uh, more towards our end. They're a tough team to slow down. You know, they they got four lines that can roll. You look at the three goals that they scored, aside from the empty netter, they're two tip-ins, uh, one on the power play, one even strength. And then that last one was a rebound, second opportunity, and the guy puts it in the net. So you work really hard to slow down a team with such a high-powered offense, and they find ways to score goals uh in a playoff style in my opinion and in the greasy ones in front of the net and hats off to them uh they're they're quite the hockey team uh coached really well you know our guys played a great game against them i thought we did a good job but ultimately i think that they were the better team uh our lack of depth showed in that tournament i think that uh we lost a couple guys to injuries not to make excuses but uh losing a couple guys hurt us down the stretch there um and, you know, to the reality is that we got to be a better better hockey team. That's not good enough for us. Uh, we want to win a national championship and get back to where we were. So we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I agree. Adrian was a very good team, and I was – I think we were all kind of surprised that Minot was able to get one on them. Uh, a was a very good goaltender, and he um, – I mean, they just had a high-powered offense, and they were, they, were, they were a very good team. But I thought, you know – I thought it was. I thought UCO put on a pretty good little showing, and um, you know handled themselves well and re- respectably. And uh, yeah, I also like the fact that uh, you know we're not satisfied, right? It's uh, it's not we're not satisfied just making nationals. We're not satisfied just making it to uh, Saturday and even then Sunday. We we want to win the whole damn thing. So uh, I like that attitude from you and from uh, from your program. So I'm looking forward to uh, to future seasons. So I also know just from being there, I mean, inside baseball, I mean, heck, you were there for, got eliminated on Sunday, but you were there for what, Monday and Tuesday and, you know, trying to figure out how in the world, uh, how, how can uh, UCO and your team get better? So I, I like that you just didn't check out, you know, once the games were over for, for your team. Yeah. You know, I think if you're, if you're in this for the right reasons, you truly love, love the game at that level. Um, so to me, being in Boston wasn't the appeal. Uh, it was being at the ACHA tournament. So even though we were out, I wanted to get up there and watch the other games, watch the other teams, see what's going on, uh, things that we can do differently, and just watch some really good hockey and was able to see that, you know, that national championship game was a great game. Um, I think Adrian had the more high-quality scoring chances and Minot was able to hold on. That's another really good hockey team, but uh, you know, being able to be there for a couple of days and just take it all in and realize just how bad you want to be there on Monday and Tuesday. 
Yeah, yeah. It was, hey, that was a heck of a game. And two different teams with two different philosophies, right? Adrian likes to take shots from up high and then crash and get some rebounds. And Minot likes to play from the goal line and the crease out, and that's it. So uh, two different uh, ways to attack. All right. Well, hey, very good. We're glad that you're back in uh, scenic Oklahoma, all the way from Marlboro, that you made it back in one piece. And uh, I'm with you. I, as much as I love going back to Boston, um, I don't think I ever want to go back to that place ever again. So I'll just leave it at that, and um, well, let's move on. Hey, we, the reason why we asked you on, Michael, was the World Cup of University Hockey is coming up. It's, uh, as we're taping this today, it's April the 3rd. Uh, the tournament gets going on April the 14th, so 11 days away. Holy smokes, you're one of the three coaches on uh, Team USA. Gary Estalos from Adrian is the head coach. Uh, you're an assistant coach along with Frank DeCristofaro from Indiana Tech. Before we get going into the games and the group and the players, uh, walk me through a little bit about the, the selection process. How did you get selected? Did you throw your hat in the ring? Did somebody you know, tap you on the shoulder and say, you're the man? Was it... Uh, did you have to pay somebody off? How, how did Mike Rivera get on the coaching staff for uh, Team USA? Well, first off, let's, uh, let's go back a little bit. The only reason that I'm on the podcast is because uh, Gary and Frank both said no first. So that's how I ended up here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> they don't take my calls. They're, they're big time. You at least humor me. <laughs> that's because I have to. Oh, um, there we go. See, there's the Mike Rivera I'm used to. Probably wearing your rings, too, and just showing them off to me, right, as, as we're talking. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the, so the selection process with the coaching staff. So, you know, I don't um, necessarily know how the ACHA went about uh, the head coach selection. I wasn't necessarily privy to that. Um, I will say that initially when we were supposed to go to the uh, world university games, which is the traditional event that the ACHA would participate in um, with our partnership with USA hockey. Originally uh, they typically take somebody within the USA hockey uh, umbrella to head coach the team at first. And when we decided not to be a part of that uh, event going forward, we, the ACHA kind of took it, and made the selection as the, for the head coach within the league um, internally. And I think that they made a great decision by picking uh, Gary Estalos. He's a well-decorated head coach in the league. I mean, he almost got his third national championship this season. Um, and so after he was selected, uh, he picked up the phone and called me and asked me if I would be interested in joining the staff. Uh, we worked together a little bit through that World University game process and kind of hit it off and realized that we had some similar uh, philosophies and beliefs about the way the game should be played and the way this tournament should be approached. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, well, let me talk to the boss and see if we can make this work. Um, and after I got the green light, it was, you know, it was really a no brainer uh, in terms of wanting to do it. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and quite the privilege. And then, uh, you know, after that, then Gary and I went through, coaches in the ACHA to figure out who we wanted to add uh, as the second assistant coach. And uh, Frank's name came up. He's had a very successful uh, couple seasons here with Indiana Tech. He's a really uh, big X's and O's coach, uh, knows the game really well, and runs a great program. So another no-brainer, and, and that's kind of how the coach's selection went. Very nice. Very nice. 
well, since you were since you were the the consigliere to uh, to Gary, his kind of right hand man, were there other coaches? What uh, was there ever any? I guess thought to having more than one other coach, or was it just okay? We can have a staff of three, and that's it. So we went through uh, a lot of names of coaches in terms of picking who was going to be that uh, second assistant coach. And we were limited to two assistant coaches and a head coach for the staff to go overseas. Okay. Uh, but in an effort, knowing that we were going to have to uh, go through a process of selecting the actual roster, having a couple more brains um, to help us choose that roster was important to us. And so coaches names that came up obviously for the selection process for as an assistant coach role were coaches that we wanted to consider um for the selection committee and so we put together a selection committee with uh coach berman over in arizona uh you know the guy watches more film than maybe anybody in the league so he has a really yeah he has a great idea of what's going on and, and who's good around the league and so he was a huge value uh to have uh in that selection committee staff and then Additionally, we had uh, Tom, and I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, over at Niagara. He, uh, you know, he has kind of an East Coast uh, picture of what's going on out there, and so we, we brought him along as well to the selection committee. So between the five of us, uh, that's how we went about picking the team. Very nice. Yeah, you, you were, that was kind of you to say you're going to butcher the name and then just not throw it out there. What is it? Meridian, I think it is. Tom Meridian. Um, Rainy, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, from Niagara. Well, very good. So you got well-rounded because uh, Coach Estalos knows everything up in the um, Great Lakes League and that uh, the WAC, the whatever that is, the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. Frank DeCristofaro knows that conference as well um, since he plays in it. You've got yourself and Coach Berman that know the uh, the western half of the United States and then uh, Tom Meradian up there with the eastern part so you got most of uh most all of d1 covered that's pretty smart i didn't i'd, I'd forgotten about the uh, uh you know the select the additional coaches to help out with the selection process that's pretty cool did you uh how, how does that did you have daily meetings weekly meetings through your through the player selection process i would say they were probably weekly um you know as far as getting all five guys together uh, through that process, I'll be honest. I mean, Gary and me were on the phone and Frank pretty much every day for a period of time, um, whether it was just 20 minutes, just kicking things back and forth, or, you know, it was an hour. Um, it's a very subjective process to, to choose these players. And it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, there's a lot of really good hockey players and there's not much that separates, guys that didn't make it and guys that did um, when their names are on that list. And so there was a lot of kicking back and forth, a lot of film being watched, um, a lot of unhappy wives, I'm sure, because this was on top of everything else that we got going on, um, trying to to really make sure that we did our due diligence. And, you know, one of the things that I'm really proud of um, to be a part of is that we went deeper than just, okay, what's what does this kid look like on paper? What does this kid look like on film? We picked up the phone and called every single kid's head coach, called people that know these kids. Um, we were calling junior coaches, just anybody in the area that would know anything about the kid to figure out what kind of person they are. Uh, character was a big piece of this selection process. 
we wanted to make sure that we not only had good hockey players, but good character players given the short amount of time to try to build a culture and win a championship. We didn't really have room to bring in anybody that was going to be, um, let's just say, uh, contradicting to what we're trying to do there. And so uh, I'm really proud that we put in the effort to, to go ahead and do that and find the right guys. Interesting. Now, was that something that uh, that that culture, that mindset, that team concept that you're talking about, was that something that that you and Coach Estalos um, um, landed on, or is that something that that Coach Estalos says, "Hey, this is how I operate, so I'm going to you know trickle this down to this team." I mean, uh, I mean that makes sense because it's real easy to just go down the statistical sheet and say, "Okay, I'm going to take the you know the top seven forwards that." you know, are from the United States and whether they fit or not, who cares, you know, but, um, where did that, where did that, uh, focus on culture come from? It came from just us having conversations. Um, you know, as we finally made the decision with the coaching staff, you know, Frank, uh, Gary and myself talking on the phone saying, okay, how do we want to build this team? Um, you know, it's hard to say we want to pick this player, before you ever know what the team's identity is going to be, how we want to play, how we want to go about things, how we want to operate things. Um, I guess there's two schools of thought here, right? Uh, You could go about it and say, all right, let's just take the best players on paper. Let's go have a fun experience in Romania and let's, you know, it'll be fun and and get to hang a Jersey on your wall one day and, and call it good. Or you can go about it and take the tougher approach and try to find the right kids to try to win this thing. And, um, you know, we're all leaving families and making sacrifices. So we all agreed that if we're going to go over there, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to put the work in and, and make sure that when we look back on it, we know we did everything we could to, to try to get the job done. And so when we went through it, one of the things that we looked at was past World University game rosters and, and how they went about their selection process. And Coach Estalos had been a part of a selection committee in the past. Uh, one of the years that I think when – Zombo was, uh, I don't think he was a head coach, but he was on the, he was on the, uh, coaching staff. And, uh, we just kind of went through some of the procedures that they did. And what we really came to is, is the four letters behind a kid's name where he played juniors, uh, the stat sheet, it doesn't really make up the answer to winning a championship. And so we wanted to not get, uh, caught up in, in where a kid played in his resume. We wanted to make sure that, that we went about it the right way to find the right kids um, because we know that culture wins and we all agreed on that. And so that's how we went about it. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, so I'm going to presume that much like the, the coaches, they were, you were, you were told, okay, we can have a staff of three. Um, when you're building out your roster, you were, were you told, okay, we can have X number of goalies, X number of D men, X number of forwards, or were you just said, were you just told you can have a roster of 22 and how you, or 23 and however you decide to apportion that out, that's up to you guys. Pretty much. So 22 players, is what we were told initially it was two goalies. Then we were told we could add a third, um, a little bit later on through the process. And so we did slice it up a couple different ways and say, okay, if we have 22 roster spots, it doesn't make more sense if we find the right, you know, six D men and we go with, you know, instead of, uh, 
13 forwards, maybe we go with 14 forwards or, or however we want to go about it. And so we, we just kind of, we slice it up different ways, but ultimately we decided to go with 13 forwards, 70 and three goalies, um, which is how we split it up. And obviously that's 23, but that's where that third goalie comes in. I see. Okay. Very good. And were you, in addition to looking at uh, past experience and do they, do they mesh well? I, I know everyone's looking at stats, but were you also looking for guys that could uh, kill penalties? Were you looking at for guys that could grind? Were you looking for everyone's, everyone wants the sniper. Everyone wants the, you know, the, the Sidney Crosby, you know, Alex Ovechkin type, but were you, were there, were there particular style of players that you guys were looking for? Definitely. Um, we wanted guys that had a complete 200 foot game guys that can play both ends of the ice that don't cheat to the offense too much just to get the points. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you put this roster together and just about every kid on, on the roster is one of, if not the best player on their respective team. And there's only, five guys on the ice at the, at a time, right? There's only going to be five guys on the ice for the power play and there's only one puck. So you have to, you have to find guys that can fit into roles and guys are going to have to be willing to get uncomfortable and, and play a different role than what they're typically used to when they're playing back home at their uh, respective universities. And so we wanted guys that were willing to make those concessions and understand that you may be a first liner at home, but you may be in a role when we go overseas, uh, you know, one of our the kid who we're looking at as our extra forward, you know, he's he's playing every other shift at the school that he's typically um, playing with, and on the power play and on the penalty kill, and we may be just using him for penalty kills and inserting him for shifts here and there. Um, and so, because when you take that approach, you know, you you have to have kids that are willing to, like I said, make those concessions and um, understand that things may be different, and it's that was a big piece of it. And then on top of that, one of the things that we really looked at was chemistry. You only have so much time to, to build this roster and practice and get them to play well together. So if there's an opportunity to take a line that or two to three kids that play together on a regular basis or a D pairing that plays together on a regular basis, um, that had a little bit of, uh, you know, extra points in terms of selecting the roster. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, let's talk about that. You're not going to have much time to practice together. Um, the, the, like we said earlier, today's April the 3rd, uh, the event, your first game is on the 14th and 11 days. Um, and geez, I don't know. Romania is what, 12 hours ahead. So it's probably more like 10 and a half days. So uh, are you going to get together in the States before you head over to Romania or will your first practice actually be there on the ice in Romania? So we will be practicing um, stateside before we head over. So yesterday we had our first team meeting, um, primarily just an introductory meeting uh, via Zoom. We went over some of our culture um, culture type things, you know, the way we want to play our identity and the way we want to represent the, the USA logo. And then this coming week, we'll also have an additional meeting where we'll introduce systems to the guys uh, at a very high level and show them clips of the way we want to play once we get over there. Then we leave on, we have to be in Albany, New York on Monday, and we will be practicing there for two days before heading to Romania. And when we get to Romania, we will get an additional two practices and then we'll play our first game. Albany, New York. Boy, I wonder why you guys are going to Albany, New York. Hmm. 
Could it be because the president of the ACHA is from Albany and runs the uh, ice rink there in Albany? Hmm, I wonder. Well, hey, at least you'll get to see upstate New York. Hopefully that won't be a problem. Are you are you leaving out of, uh, out of New York? Or are you leaving out of Boston? Or are you leaving directly out of Albany? Leaving out of New York City. FK. I'm probably, I think I'm not supposed to be sharing too much itinerary. Nope, I get that. For, uh, security reasons, I think, is what they said. So. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I know that... Um, I know that that's that's an issue, and that has been an issue in in years past. You know, to not put the itinerary out there, uh, especially in light of uh, some recent uh, stuff that's happened in the world. But um, yeah, okay. Well, and I didn't, didn't mean to uh, to let you know let that cat out of the bag. But hey, you know, if you're gonna try something at JFK, power to you. So that's. Uh, that's that's kind of interesting. Well, hey, let's talk about the the roster real quick, if if you don't mind. And I, the roster I have is dated from mid February, so maybe uh, maybe there's been some changes to it. But let's starting with the goaltenders. We have a WCHL goaltender is one of the three on there. We have Landon Pavlison from UNLV, Devin Barisi from uh, Pitt, and Ty Barnhill from Indiana Tech. Um, uh, I know you guys probably already have an idea as to who's number one, who's not. Um, but is there, uh, you know, both, all three of those guys play at a, at a high level and Ty Barnhill had himself one heck of a nationals. Um, what, what was it about those three guys that stood out that made you say, come on, let's go play for the team United States. Yeah. The goalie selection process was really difficult. Um, you know, not being a goalie myself or either the other two coaches, it was not the easiest thing to, to decide on. And, you know, a lot of times you want to ride with, with a goalie who's hot at the end of the year, but we had to make the selection, you know, early January. So it was not, not an easy decision to make. Um, you look at a kid like, you know, Pabs over at UNLV, and he had an unbelievable season, uh, a lot of wins against some big teams. Uh, we knew that he would get the opportunity to play in some big games at the national tournament. You know, he took uh, the starting job over from a really good goaltender in Zach Wixon. So that spoke volumes of him and, his competitive nature coming into UNLV and winning that job. Um, and then you take a kid like Ty Barnhill, who, uh, you know, that team's won conference championships. He's played in the national tournament. He played really well against us last year in St. Louis at the national tournament. I had seen it firsthand. Um, and then this year you see what he does at the national tournament. And, you know, we felt really good about our selection after watching him perform uh, where, you know, he just about eliminated my not there in that quarterfinal game with, you know, really, really impressive showing. Um, and so that was, that was really good to see. And then uh, Bresk, unfortunately, he had a little bit of a groin injury going to the tournament, so he didn't get to start, but he's uh, he's healthy now. And, you know, he kind of went under the radar for a long time. He's a kid that when you go look at the stat sheets, uh, when they are playing top teams, you know, the Liberties, the Adrians, uh, you know, even the Niagara's of the world, he'll have a 50-save game. Um, he, he's, he's the difference maker in some of those games where maybe Pitt, uh, is just hanging on and the pucks in the D zone a lot and Bressy standing on his head and it's, it's really impressive to see. And so that's, that's kind of how we went about that one. Very nice. And on the D side, you have seven D men. Um, I, you have one kid from the Western Collegiate Hockey League. He happens to be from your team, Jackson Bombardier. 
Um, and uh, another name that stood well, two names that stood out to me, uh, they're both from Liberty, Colin Baird, who's been around forever, it seems like. This must be his seventh year of playing ACHA D1 hockey, I think. Uh, but Lazarus Cable, who's a freshman, and he, the kid is gigantic, and he can move. And I thought he played. Uh, I thought he had himself a heck of a nationals. Uh, what about the what went into uh, selecting the seven D men? So a lot of it had to do with kind of the way we want to play. Um, obviously, we want to play a fast game. Uh, guys that are going to be able to move the puck quick and produce offense from the back end, get pucks through, and uh, find our forwards in the neutral zone. And so. You look at all these D-men, they're all good puck-moving D-men. They can all play. Uh, they all defend really well off the puck. They all have really strong hockey IQs, and they're all very mobile. Um, playing on bigger ice, a lot more space. Uh, we need guys that aren't uh, too slow foot, guys that can get east-west as quickly as possible and cover ground. And so that was a big factor going into it. Um, you know, Colin Baird, you, you watch him. He's he's one of the most steady D-men in the ACHA. Uh, he's got a great stick. He's a leader on that Liberty team. He plays 20-plus minutes a night. I mean, honestly, I think he was playing close to about 30 at the national tournament with how much Kirk was playing him there. Yeah. Um, you know, his D partner is Laz over at uh, Liberty. Laz has got, you know, one heck of a shot off of the off of the power play flank. He, he scored some big goals with that one-timer. He had a couple at the national tournament. Uh, defends well, moves well. You know, then you got a kid like uh, like Max Finner on the roster. He's a Roosevelt kid. Uh, Roosevelt's obviously not in the national tournament, not a high-ranked national team. But if you watch Max play, I mean, he's he's the best player on the ice in a lot of nights. He's a he's a defensive defenseman, um, but he moves well. Uh, the kid played a full season at Fair State before coming into the ACHA and was a regular player in their lineup. Um, so you know, he's he's a high-end defenseman. Uh, then you take a kid like Bomber, who obviously, you know, plays for UCO and have a lot of firsthand experience of what he's capable of. And I thought he would do really well on the big ice. And um, so really excited to have him part of it. Then you have Alex Potter, who's a D-man uh, at Indiana Tech. He's a do-everything-for-them kind of guy. He's a leader. He's got a great shot off the blue line. Um, and then you have Dakota Bond, who's uh, runs Adrian's power play. He's playing every other shift just about for them uh top four demon there and so we're, we're really happy with the way we built the decor yeah very very nice it looks uh, and, it, and it looks like you've got a lot of um a lot of diversity in terms of age because you have some some folks there who, like colin baird and the bombardier who've been around for a while and potter and then you've got some freshmen on that team in terms of uh cable and uh, is the minot state kid still there too uh kadolf Yep, yep. Kate yeah. will, he'll be uh, he'll be on the team, and he had himself quite the tournament. I mean, he runs one of their power play units, and that kid just gets up and down the ice. I mean, I was yeah. saw that firsthand against us all season. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's pretty cool that you have some some older folks, but also some younger folks. And and you're you're dead on about that. Uh, cable and the kid's shot he has a heavy shot and he just lets it fly and whether it's a wrister or a slapper he's uh it it's it's on target and he's the kid i don't know the kid stood out uh to me even though i'm not a hockey guy so well very nice all right and then let's say you have 13 forwards on the team three of them are from the western league uh you have uh the western collegiate hockey league uh most outstanding player the player of the year austin simpson from uco on the team you have two kids from arizona jesse lowell and brody selman that are also on the team but you also have some uh some standouts some some guys that are 
you know, Laker Aldridge from Ohio and Sam Spate from Adrian, and then Brendan West, who is what I think statistically he beat out Luke Reeve in terms of total points uh, throughout the season. So it's it's quite the uh, quite the diverse group of forwards. In addition to Roman Kramer, uh, a D- NCAA D1 kid from Robert Morris, who once they got rid of their D1 team, he came to play uh, ACHA hockey. So uh, the selection process for the forwards, I mean, that had to be, if it was difficult for the D-men just to fill seven slots, uh, it had to be twice as difficult to fill 13 slots. It was. Uh, it was a really difficult process uh, to figure out where were we going to go on the forward end. There's so many good forwards in this league. Um you know, there's names that aren't on this list right now that can easily be on here. Um, obviously, these kids were picked for specific reasons, but it, it was not an easy process at all. Um, and so, you know, you look up and down this roster and you see some of the top players in the ACHA. You know, you take a kid like Sam Spate, um, you know, the the line, we're taking the line of Adrian kids, him, Sebastian Smith, and Dylan uh, Gajeski. They played together at the tournament. Uh, they were our line match where we could even though we didn't have last change at the tournament uh they play big minutes for them score a lot of big goals do things the right way uh very impressive line and then you know you have a three adrian kids and matt bartell jacob kallendike and jason foltz all big players for them they don't always play together they have in the past um but they play all three situations for them special teams even strength you know those are the guys that they rely on um, to score big goals for them, both those teams, you know, in the final four, six of their or three of their top forwards on each team respectively, and then, you know, you fill in the rest with guys from around the country, and you know, a Jay Buckholtz who's a Minot State assistant captain, you know, does a lot of things the right way. He's on their first power play unit, scores some big goals for them. Um, like you mentioned, Laker Aldridge, um, you know, that kid was a he was a, uh, a Michigan State commit prior to the coaching change and then he ends up at Ohio. So he's a really high end talent. Um, he's got quite the rip himself on, on the flank of the power play. Uh, you know, Austin Simpson, who had a really big year for us, really stepped up his offensive production, really high hockey IQ, good hands, um, can do a lot to, to put people in a good situation to score goals. And then like you mentioned, Brendan West statistically leads the ACHA in points uh, then you have Roman Kramer, a D1 transfer, and Brody Selman and, and Jesse Lowell, you know, two guys that are a huge piece of Arizona success. They were our line match going into round one. Um, we had plenty of clips looking at how to slow those two down. They both work hard, uh, carry themselves really well, and are great leaders on the ice. So um, we have a really well-rounded forward group that I think we could throw it in the blender at any point and like what we have. Do you have, um, I know from years past with World University Game teams and even uh, other international teams, uh, there, there are some alternates. Are there alternates that are out there or um, are, because, well, I, I'm just thinking you have 23, we rolled through 23 folks on the, on the Team USA roster. Um, there's always the off chance that someone's going to get sick or, you know, pop positive here in the next, you know, let's hope not, I'll knock on wood. Um but, you know, is there an alternate uh, process? Do you have three or four guys kind of in reserve, or are you just rolling with these 23 and whatever happens, happens? 
Well, we did have alternates. Um, I don't think they were ever publicly released, but we had a group of alternates that were teed up, ready to go. Um, they were informed that they were an alternate for the team and kind of, you know, made aware to be ready. Um, the roster finalization was due on March 30th. So at this point now, whatever happens, we will either have a limited roster or, um, you know, a kid just kind of won't be able to go. We can't add anybody else at this point. Rosters are oh. locked. So, okay. um, but we do, we did have alternates kind of through the process just in case somebody got hurt, um, through the national tournament or, or any, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. And you're right. No, nothing was, uh, the alternate list wasn't, wasn't publicized and I wasn't asking that to, to publicize it. I just knew that in years past, there was always, uh, an extra D man, an extra forward, an extra goaltender just held out in reserve just in case something uh, crazy happened. A passport didn't come in or a visa was denied or something like that. So very good. Um, all right. Well, let's talk really quick about the uh, Group A. USA is in a group of, uh, I don't know if it's fair to call it the group of death, but out of the two groups, it seems to be the toughest of the two. You have Hungary, Sweden, and Slovakia in your group. The other group is composed of Canada, Poland, Czechoslovakia, and Romania. And the world rankings, I don't know where these come from. Maybe you can enlighten me as to where these come from, but apparently... Team United States is ranked fourth. Team Sweden is fifth. Team Slovakia is ranked eighth, and Team Hungary is ranked twenty-two. Um, the other, the other group has number two, number six, number twenty, and number twenty-four. So it seems like Group A is the toughest group. Any idea where those rankings came from? I have zero clue where those rankings came from. Um, <laughs> I can I can tell you that it the rankings are going to be somewhat irrelevant because some of the teams hadn't even, when those rankings came out, some of the teams hadn't even finalized their rosters yet. Um, because some of the teams, some of the countries are not taking the same teams that they took to the world university games. Uh, uh, the rosters will be slightly different. So that, that'll play a factor in it. Um, you know, each country can take a limited amount of first league guys and the host team can take more than it, more than the other countries can in terms of first league guys to, you know, increase their chances of making a, a medal round um, as being the host team. So I know that there's been, we've seen the Swedish roster. There's a couple rosters that we haven't seen yet. And so it'll be interesting to see um, what they're able to put together because you talk about having some first league guys from some of these countries and their first leagues are comparable to our East Coast Hockey League or, um, you know, SPHL, maybe even as high as low end AHL, depending on the given country. And so, uh, but I guess if they're, if they're in school, then, then they count. So that's, that's how it works. <laughs> if they're in school. And I guess, I guess a lot of it also depends on what the definition of school is, right? Um, I right. think, I think some of the definitions are, do you live near a school? Okay. You can play. So interesting, interesting. I didn't realize, I, I was curious where the rankings came from. Cause I didn't know there were any, uh, ACHA, uh, I didn't know there were any any sort of international rankings for the ACHA type of teams, but uh, I got a kick out of seeing that. Let me ask you this: You said you've seen the uh, the roster for Sweden and some of the other school, uh, some of the other countries. Are there ACHA players on any of the other rosters? Obviously, Team Canada and Team United States they're comprised entirely of ACHA folks. But are there any ACHA folks uh, on any of these other rosters that we're that we're not aware of? Not that I'm aware of, nothing that we've seen yet. Um, I know Sweden had Henrik Overvall from Adrian on their World University Games roster. 
and another Swedish kid from the from Indiana Tech as well. I can't remember the the young man's name, but um, for whatever reason, they're not included on this roster. Um, I don't know how each individual country goes about selecting it. I do know that they thought we were crazy for naming our team so far in advance. Really? Oh wow! So yeah, that was a shock to me as well. Huh. Interesting. Well, the, the, the reason I asked was because of overall. Um, I know that he um, left, you know, and, and Adrian and played for Sweden at the uh, in, in Lake Placid at the Winter World University Games for at the beginning of this most recent semester. So I didn't know if there was a situation similar to that with this World Cup of University Hockey. Well, your first game right out of the jump is um, uh, against Sweden. So that's a four versus five. Um, even though the rankings you say are, are irrelevant, then the next day you're playing Hungary, and after that it's Slovakia. Um, are you concerned at all with the um, with the fact that you're going three games back to back, and that there's not an off day in between? Definitely, um, I think one of the biggest pieces to success for this tournament is going to be making sure that the guys are. Uh, prepared and rested as much as possible. You're going to be battling a couple different um, variables here, right? So one of them being the time change and the jet lag, uh, 12-hour time difference in getting their bodies acclimated to the new time zone. Um, obviously, you know, there's been probably it'll be just shy of about a month of no real game time before the first game um, from the national tournament. For some individuals, it'll be even longer than that. And so, we've been pushing on the guys to stay in shape. And so that's always a concern that, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to be as in, in as good a shape as we'd like them to be right from the get go. And it may take a game to get their legs under them, um, which is why these practices are going to be crucial uh, prior to the tournament. Um, and then of course, you know, back to back to back, uh, no off days in between, right. That's after all that travel, that's a lot on the body um, playing on bigger ice, playing a different style of game um, in high-pressure situations, it's definitely a, a point of concern, but um, nothing that nothing that any other team's not having to deal with. I guess maybe the travel, but uh, it's just part of the experience, and our guys will battle through it. Good. Very good. All right. Well, the um – I guess what, what help me with the uh, with, with the format because you play it's pool play and then after that what there's depending on where you land in your pool is where you, there's I think there's all the way to like an eighth place game isn't there or a seventh place game something like that I mean there you're guaranteed at least four games is that correct correct yeah my understanding is that we're guaranteed guaranteed the four games uh, in between the pool play there's going to be a day off. So it's, we would play the 14th, 15th and 16th and there's an off day. And then there's the semis and the finals on the 17th and 18th respectively. And so my imagination would say, if you are not in the top four seedings and you are playing some form of a game, uh, some form of a consolation game on that 17th and then nothing on the 18th. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here, I'm looking at it right here. Yeah. The fifth through eighth, Everybody looks like everybody plays on. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, there's the third and the fourth teams in the pool. They'll play one another on the 18th, and the top two in the pool they'll play one another. Well, every so I guess that's it. Everybody plays on the 18th, and then um, everybody will play on the 19th for uh, depending on on seating. There you'll have the 
um, the seventh place game, the fifth place game, the third place game, followed by the final um, at 20 o'clock, which is 8 o'clock Romania time. You say there's a 12-hour difference, which means that's 8 o'clock in Romania is 8 o'clock in the morning here in, uh, at least here in the central time zone. Um, do you have any special, uh, have you, I know that you're bringing a team doctor with you. Actually, you're bringing two team doctors. You have the doctor of hockey, uh, going with you as well as, uh, Dr. Rasty McGibbon. Um, do they have any special things? Are you bringing extra Pedialyte or do they have some special juju concoction mixed up to help you get over that jet lag? I hope so. If they do, <laughs> If they do, I haven't been made aware, but I hope so. I hope they just say, here, drink this when we get there, and we're good to go. Now, you got to worry about Rasty B. I mean, I'm sure he's a great doctor, but you got to worry about him because he's you know, he's inclined to whip out his uh, telephone and want to do a quick little interview with you so he can post it on uh, ACHA social media. Seems like that was his uh, one role up in Boston as opposed to you know actually being a doctor, but uh, what can you do? You have an equipment manager, Pete Carson, from Durham, North Carolina. Um, do you know Pete at all? I don't. We were actually wondering uh, where he's coming from. Last thing that I saw, he was with the North Carolina ACHA team, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, interesting. I'm wondering, uh, just curious about that. And uh, well, let, let's let's talk about that because the traveling party is going to have the three coaches. You'll have uh, the general manager is the ACHA Division One Commissioner Brian Moran. Academic advisor is the Doctor of Hockey himself, Doctor Al Murdoch from uh, formerly from Iowa State. Uh, Rasty McGibbon, your team doctor, equipment manager, Pete Carson, apparently from North Carolina somehow. And then you're going to have uh, two chaperones who will be there to sightsee and uh, hold their finger up in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. And that's ACHA President Paul Hebert and ACHA Executive Director Craig Barnett. They'll probably look really good walking around with coffee in their hand. Um, uh, what what uh, are, are there other folks coming on the, on the trip that you're aware of, or, or is that it? Just the 23 players from each team and the traveling party of nine? That is all that I'm aware of uh, making the trip. Um, my understanding is some parents will be out there, but outside of that, it's just going to be uh, the the extra staff that you mentioned um, from the ACHA and then the coaches and players. Very nice. Very nice. All right. I got to ask this because I know you're competitive. Have you taken a look at the Team Canada roster? Of course. Yeah. And? You know, they they had a lot to choose from. They have some uh, really good Canadian-born players uh, in the ACHA. Um, they have a great roster. They'll be a very competitive team. Have you uh, – you have a – there's a, a Central Oklahoma player, J.C. Dubecki, is on that Team Canada roster. Have you uh, skated Dubecki, like, extra hard, given him twice the uh, the workload this week or made sure that he, uh, he he's the guy making the Dunkin' Donuts and the, uh, and the Fat Burger runs this week to, so, to make sure he's really in shape for the uh, Team Canadians? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, tried to eliminate any available ice time to him and uh, taken away, just hidden some of his equipment in the locker room, just trying to make things a little more difficult on that. Put a little low gamesmanship. Uh, yeah, put a little icy hot there in the uh, in the cup and just uh, take care of take care of him. All right. Well, very nice. Right, is there any? Uh, uh, you, you've. Jeremy Law is also on the staff. We know Jeremy from his time at Missouri State and. Um, 
is were you able to and, and i know mike petruzma is the head coach for canada he's the coach for uh for calvin they were at nationals and jeff beauparlant was uh, he's the coach i think for westchester and he was also at nationals just as an observer have you had a chance to uh meet those guys i know jeremy you've you've met but i mean petruzma and beauparlant have you had a chance to meet those guys or or you just going to meet them when you see him over in romania or i guess in albany really yeah, we will be. Yeah, they'll be there practicing as well in Albany, so we'll definitely be able to become a, a little bit more familiar with them when we're up there. Um, I did was able to meet Mike. Uh, he actually stayed at the same hotel we stayed at at Nationals, and so he was kind enough to. Uh, they had rented some uh, rooms out, and he was kind enough to share them with us uh, after the fact, and so that was really kind of him, and <laughs> got to meet him a little bit, and so that was. Uh, that's, uh, but I haven't been able to meet the other coach just yet. Okay, very nice, very nice. Well, care to make any uh, any grand predictions? Um, I, no one listens to this podcast, uh, let alone you know internationally. So, uh, care to make any predictions as to where Team United States in, uh, is going to end up in the group, and maybe even uh, when when all is said and done, is it going to be a USA Canada uh, final? It very well possibly could be. Um, with the talent they have on their roster and the talent we have on our roster, it would not surprise me. Um, without knowing too much about the other the other teams and, and the roster that they're going to be putting together, um, it's difficult to make a, a prediction. But what I can say is that our, our group's going to be very well prepared. Um, they, we're going through the due diligence of doing everything we need to do, trying to squeeze in you know, what would traditionally be seven months of preparation into two weeks here. Um, trying to bring the team together as close as we can in a short amount of time. And uh, I think that that'll pay dividends and make us really successful at the tournament. And I expect us to do really well. Very nice. Very nice. Let me ask this. Um, but, well, hey, before, before I do that, um, I just want to say the World Cup of University Hockey is going to be broad. All the games are going to be broadcast online. The, uh, you can go to sport.vicket, that's V-I-C-K-E-T dot com, sport.vicket dot com. And you can, uh, the, all the games are broadcast there. Now it's pay-per-view and I believe it's five euros, um, which roughly translates to just a smidge over $5. Uh, per game you can purchase um, on that website you can purchase um, well there are different packages you can buy all the games or buy a pass to see all the games for 50 euros which i believe is roughly 54 dollars you can buy a a, uh, a a package just to see just the games that team united states plays in or you know, Team Canada, whatever it was you're following. So I think that's just the five-game package. And I believe that's like 20 or 25 euros. I'll have to look at that. Um, or you can buy it on a game-by-game basis, and that's five euros per game. So, um, and again, a 12-hour difference, um, time difference. So if games are at 8 o'clock at night, that means they'll be at 8 o'clock in the morning in central time. That's probably, what, uh, 6 in the morning Pacific. Uh, for the folks from UNLV and Arizona, Arizona is funky with their uh, time since they don't do the daylight savings time. I don't know if they're Mountain or Pacific time now, but whatever. Um, all right, so in in all all of this stuff will be put out on the ACHA Men's Division One Twitter account as well as the ACHA uh, main Twitter account, ACHA Hockey and ACHA Men's D One. So, uh, because I know someone who, who deals with all that kind of crap. So, 
There we go. All right. Um, so there we have it. World Cup of University Hockey coming up and uh, safe travels to Mike but and, and to Team USA. But before we go, Michael, I got to ask you this because I know that it uh, – I don't know if you're still doing it, but I'm going to ask. Once the season is over for UCO, I know you guys kind of keep in shape and uh, stay on the ice because you have something called the Bronco Cup. Um, are, is the Bronco Cup tradition still alive and well, and has it already begun, or will it begin once you're back from Romania? The Bronco Cup tradition is still alive and well. Uh, it actually begins today at 3.15. will be the first round of round robins. Uh-oh. And... Unfortunately, I will miss the uh, latter half of the tournament while we are in Romania, but uh, we are keeping the tradition alive, and the boys always look forward to this little three-on-three tournament that we do. It's a way to keep them in shape, keep them together, and keep them on the ice. So uh, back at the rink today, you know, no, not a lot of time away, so we'll get back at it today, and uh, pretty excited to get back there and see the fellows. That, that ought to be fun. Now, what's the what's the grand prize there for the Bronco Cup? Is it a keg of beer? Is it a uh, is it the head of Buddy Bronco? What do the winners of the Bronco Cup actually win? They win uh, pride and bragging rights. The trophy itself is a keg shell. Uh, to be clear, there is nothing inside of that keg. It is just the shell. <laughs> okay, that just a can. Just a can. Basically, they win aluminum, um, and so. Uh, that's been the trophy for a long time and they get to put a piece of tape around it and write their names on it um, so that it stays there for the future Broncos to see uh, when they win it themselves. Very nice. Very nice. All right. And uh, how long does the, does the Bronco cup uh, uh, tradition or how long does the competition last? Cause I'm, I got to presume with what 30 guys on the team, three on three, what do you got? Eight, 10, nine teams. Nope, we go four teams because uh, you're limited with goalies, which is the biggest thing. And so okay. each team's got um, – we'd go full ice, so each team's got anywhere from six to eight guys on the team, um, just depending on how they drafted. And so four teams, everybody plays each other once, then we seed into semis and final – or semis, and then from semis they – you, there's no consolation game. There's just a championship game. And this year we're doing it twice a week instead of once a week so that we can knock it out a little quicker because our friends over at Arctic Edge decided that the ice should come out nice and early this year. So that uh, forced us to do it a little quicker. I see. I see. All right. And your three, the three UCO Broncos that are participating in the World Cup, are they also participating in the Bronco Cup or are they, are they sit-outs? They will be participating until they leave. So they were the last draft picks this this go around <laughs> that's got to be humbling huh you win the mvp of the conference but you're the last guy one of the three last guys selected in your uh in your own team tournament i love it that's pretty cool all right well very good and i love how uh, you clarified i didn't mean to insinuate and maybe i'm just a, a poor commissioner poor podcaster but i did not mean to insinuate that the keg was full of beer but uh i'd seen pictures of this of this thing before it was pretty impressive and uh Looks pretty hefty. I don't know that I'd want to hold that thing over my head. It would probably come crashing down on my poor little, uh, poor little noggin. It's it looks like a pretty hefty, uh, pretty hefty thing, even empty. So yeah, no, it's 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 not light, um, you know. But it's 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 fun for the guys, and so so you know they'll have a good time. But uh, I also wanted to quickly quickly mention, um, can you? I know you have some connections inside the ACHA. Can you make sure the guy who uh, who runs the Twitter doesn't uh, 
doesn't cause any liabilities for us on uh, international uh, grounds and make sure that, you know, there's no national security issues through the Twitter account um, <laughs> going at the other teams while we're over there what do you mean for, for safety. You don't want that guy, you don't want that Twitter doofus talking any smack? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I just lay off some of those countries, you know, we're, we're not on home territory, so I just want to get home safe to the family. <laughs> Uh, message received. Consider that message sent and that message received. So I will, uh, I'll, I will have a deep heart-to-heart conversation with that Twitter doofus and see if, if we can't get him into shape. He, he kind of gets out of control sometimes at nationals. He's a, kind of a jerk. So we'll see what we can do. All right. Well, hey, that's Michael Rivera. He's the head coach for University of Central Oklahoma during the day, but uh, when the season is over. He uh, is now the assistant coach for Team United States going over to uh, the World Cup of University Hockey in Carta, Romania. Michael, i got to ask before we go, have you done some exploration, some independent research uh, on the delicacies that Romania has to offer? Very limited. Um, I'm just going to be surprised and, and just go with the flow. Aren't you worried that you're going to like get there and there's going to be like a goat head on the table or something? They're going to say, okay, dig in everybody. As opposed to, you know, you know, pasta and chicken and, you know, regular, uh, regular food. I was going to say regular American food, but that's so terrible. You you don't want me to cause an international incident. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, you know, I guess slightly, but at the end of the day, I'll try anything twice. So we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, just going to put my faith in the ACHA brass to plan some good meals for us so that we're ready to go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Be careful with that, putting that faith. All right. Well, very good. Hey, that's Michael Rivera. Michael, thank you so much for being part of the WCHL podcast. Best of luck with the Bronco Cup starting today, and best of luck. Safe travels to uh, sexy Albany, New York, and to even sexier Carta, Romania. I look forward to uh, watching the games in the dead of the night. And uh, if you see the camera, just give a little wave to all of us peons back here in the States, would you? Absolutely. No, really excited uh, to get this opportunity. It's a real privilege, and I'm really grateful for it. And thank you for having me on and taking the time to, to talk with me. Yeah, anytime, anytime. All right, that's Michael Rivera. Hold on. We're going to get out of here. Uh, but, hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Yeah, Chance the Rapper, let's do that hockey. All right, that was kind of interesting. A lot of stuff I didn't know about the World Cup University hockey. A lot of interesting stuff talking about the selection process. And, uh, you know, come on, lines. They got full lines from Liberty and from uh, Adrian. That's pretty impressive. D pairings all the way. That's uh, that's not bad. A lot of thoughts put into this. So, that I don't know. I, I'm getting kind of juiced, getting kind of excited here for uh, the World Cup University hockey. I might actually have to stay up through the middle of the night to watch some of these games. Kinds of, uh, kind of sounds exciting. Hey, listen, thanks to you uh, for listening to the WCHL podcast. Thanks for your support of the WCHL and of the ACHA and all the student athletes. Thanks to Coach Rivera for um, putting up with this uh, incredibly craptastic regional podcast and for my dumb questions. You know what? We uh, talked to Team United States. Probably got to uh, be fair, right? And talk to uh, the good folks from Team Canada. Let's do that here in the next couple of days. Until then, why don't everybody uh, just take care of one another, take care of yourself, and uh, let's gear up. We've got some more hockey coming up. 